And I'm here today with the fabulous Kirsty Lewis. Hello. Hey, Tim, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for joining us on Do Yourself a Favour. My pleasure. Would you like to um, tell everybody who you are and what your thing is? Yeah, uh, I'm Kirsty Lewis, founder of School of Facilitation, a place, a space for facilitators and trainers to come and grow and basically be awesome. And I can vouch for the awesomeness of people in the, the uh, School of Facilitation. Big support to me, big help to me during my transition from corporate world to, to doing this. Just a bunch of really, really lovely people who like helping people. Yes, I think that's sort of a... If anyone out there is listening who's a facilitator or a trainer, and if you really listen to yourself, often one of the main reasons why we do what we do is people just enjoy helping others and being in service to others. And also, I think the the, the personality type generally of people who do what we do is that you know they're people people. Yes. But quite often work on their own. Yeah, I often say that's quite ironic, isn't it? Like, uh, mm. we love working with people and helping them, yet we find ourselves on our own a lot. Yeah, so, yeah, certainly it's been it's been a big support to me, so I was very glad that I found the School of Facilitation. So we'll get into it, if that's all right, Kirsty. Go for it, yeah. Okay, so the first question that I has, and these are the same five questions that we ask everyone. So the first question was, What's something you wish that you learnt? So this is in relation to creating my business. So I've been, I've had my own business for the last 12 years since corporate life. And it's about finding your community. And that's one of the main tenets of SOF is having that community of collaboration and community of connection. And it actually, I started this element of SOF, the community, because I was missing my friends. I was missing people to talk to and have that support. So I think whether you're whatever walk of life you're in, whether you're in a corporate, whether you work for yourself, whether you are in NGO, charity sector, whether you're in like public sector is find your people. I think that's one of my things like I wish I'd known that sooner is if you find those people, you will have an immediate support network and people around you to support you, to talk to, to bounce ideas or off and and to have different ideas from as well. When did you, when did you find your people? So I've found my people throughout life in different guises. So originally it was through my sport. So I played a lot of sport as a young person, a lot of hockey, a lot of squash. And then from a corporate perspective, I was really lucky the company's the one main company I work for Guinness Diageo and I found people in there that were definitely my people but when I stepped outside yeah it probably took me five years to find my community and then in the end I created it I created this community that is now known as School of Facilitation I created breakfast meetings that turned into gatherings that came out locally and then globally so yeah I created that and and what was the driver for for starting to create that because was there a sense of something missing or Um, how did you identify that was what you needed to do uh, good question i was missing talking to people outside of the company that i was an associate for actually there's more there's more to this there's other people out there that do what that what i do and i think it was at that point it was around 2014 and there was a real i think there was a bit of a tipping point with the internet linkedin social media and it became really i I became more and more aware there were thousands of us out there Mm who do who do what I'm passionate about so I was like I wonder who they all talk to how do we how do we find one another so yeah that's what I 
So I think I started the the, the SOF breakfast meetings. And and how did so presumably they started in person because like yes. everything was in person rather yes. than online before. I did it in London year. first because I lived in London, and then I was like, I had friends up in the Midlands, so then we went to Leamington Spa, and then I was like. I then moved to just outside of Winchester. So I then did some in Winchester and then I start, did some in, I experimented with Bristol, but Bristol is a really interesting place. It's quite saturated with lots of activity and like groups already. So in the end, we folded that one. And then, then COVID hit anyway. So we, we went totally virtual, which mm-hmm. has been with the creation of the community pod, which happens on a, a Friday, the first Friday of every month. And does it feel, I mean, it feels to me a little bit like COVID actually was a, just a massive opportunity for the school of facilitation. Yeah, I think what happened, it was another tipping point because, and, and, and I think this is how you found us, Tim, is the week that COVID decided to rear its ugly head in the UK was the week of the 16th of March. And I really vividly recall writing an email to my nearest and dearest buddies in the world of facilitation and training. There's about 60 of them. That's how close I say nearest and dearest. And I was like, guys, something's going on. I'm recognizing the world is shifting and changing. Do you want to come and have a chat? And a good 30 odd replied yes. So that Friday morning, we we started the conversation and then had the set, <laughs> had a gathering every Friday morning for 20 weeks and uh, <laughs> brought people together. And now uh, we had people come from Taiwan. We had people dialing from Singapore. Some people even got up very early in America. Lots of Europeans and people predominantly from the UK. So it really flagged it to me that people were looking for others to be able to connect to and talk to mm-hmm. and, and and find find their people to support them. A particularly hard and tough time. Yeah. So moving on to the next question then, is there or what was a a book or a concept or a, a yeah. cultural touchstone that that changed changed the direction of things? Oh, I had one book in my head and then you said that changed it. I'm going to have two. So one is um, Profit First okay. by Mike, and I can never say his surname because it's a very long Polish sounding surname. So Profit First is a concept that as business owners, we we take profit and pay ourselves first over and above operating costs and taxes and other costs. Because if you work for yourself, this may ring true, we have a propensity to pay others before ourselves we have a propensity to do our outlay costs first which is probably right in terms of the outlay cost but we don't often think about ourselves we put ourselves last Uh, kind of thing correct yeah and so the methodology of profit first is and it's probably something our grandparents and great grandparents did quite naturally is you have different pots or in now this world different bank accounts Mm -hmm. depending on Um, what you need so let me give an example for SOF we have a bank account for our tax we have a bank account for the associates we have a bank account that's called operating costs owners pay is the fourth one and profit is the fifth one and therefore every time I get an invoice I look at well what's the tax that's the VAT as we call it in the UK so the VAT immediately gets put in there but also a percentage of the overall um, value of the invoice gets accrued for my tax. So that's for corporation tax that we have to pay and also for my personal tax. So I know immediately that's saved. 
there's a percentage often it's about 45 percent goes for operate it goes to my owner's pay there's a high percentage that's the operating costs associates because people work for me that money immediately gets accrued because I can't that's not my money to spend and then there's a percentage as well for profit and what it has done for me as a business owner one it's honored it's made me realize you know hold on a minute yeah I I am okay to pay myself that's one really important thing because it's a balance of exchange because if I don't pay myself what am I doing this for I'm not a charity it also means I'm really clear how much money I have every month to be able to to pay myself there's also the profit fund and that's the best one because whilst it's only a very small percentage I think it's about four percent of every invoice that accrues over time so every quarter I spend I spend an element of that profit fund on me or doing something with mm-hmm. my loved ones or having a mini adventure and that that makes it all worthwhile or I might choose to reinvest it back into the business but it's like it's proactive choices with money and you can do the mm-hmm. same as well with your your personal monies as well. And then the other reason I did it, Tim, was from a from a business perspective. I had two bank accounts at the beginning. I always had a VAT bank account and a tax bank account and then everything else. But I never knew how much money I had available to me in a month. It just made it really clear and easy to understand. The other book that was a tipping point was back in the day in 1999 I can even see myself reading it was Franklin Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People Mm -hmm. that was a real tipping point book for me as well that was I was in the corporate world I was selling Guinness and it was like that was my first probably awakening to oh I can choose to do things (laughs) I can choose how I feel or how I show up. So that was another book that really had a, a profound impact. And then the other one that really just jumped into my head is Bounce by Matt Saeed. Okay, the the table tennis. Yeah, and that was one of his first books that he wrote and he talked about is talent, nature or nurture. Mm-hmm. And again, there was just some elements in there that really jumped out for me. So one of them is around purposeful practice and purposeful mm-hmm. feedback. So it doesn't, and being in the world of learning and development, it, that really resonates because you know what, we can, we can teach you all you want about, I don't know, being a great salesperson, like being brilliant at marketing, but unless you go away and practice mm-hmm. and get that positive, get a meaningful feedback loop in place, yeah, it makes no difference really. So that book had quite an impact. That was 2011. I can see myself mm-hmm. reading it. And I know when a book has impact because I write notes, bend corners of a page down. Oh, I'm a, I'm a page bender. Yeah, I, yeah. I, my, I torture my books. Yes, I do too. Yeah, yeah. It's, you can, I think a book that's been properly read and abused, you know, you should be able yeah. to spot it from, from the shelf. Post-it yeah. notes, the spine is really broke, pages are turned down. You know where it is on your bookshelf, you can just go and grab it. And yeah. that's the other thing I can tell when a when a book has value is because I've bought it as a book and it's not on my Kindle. Mm-hmm. Or it started life on my Kindle and then I'm like, actually, this is, there's too much good stuff going on in here. I need to physically hold it. So business books now and if it's not a storybook, I buy it physically. The There's, there's definitely something... I find I tend to use my Kindle as like holiday reading yeah. because then I don't have to fill half my book of my case with, with books. I call it chewing gum for the eyes, Tim. Nice. Yes. I like that. 
Yeah. And then there's a bit of but books, I think, that I'm going to refer back to or or where I feel like there's stuff that I, I'm going to need to have some. There is something tangible about being able to sort of pick something up and flick to the page and search yes. for it and thing. Yeah, Absolutely. I think also there's a there's something about the I seem to recall. There's something about the recall, I think, from a, a physical book, because in, in an ebook you haven't got the sense of how far into the book are you physically, where on the page it is, you know, pages are different depending on yeah. how you flick backwards and forwards definitely that I've read that I was pleased I didn't know how big they were because I would mm. then be counting down how much of my enjoyment time I had left so the book I'm thinking about is called I am pilgrim mm-hmm. and great book but it's a good 700 pages but I read it on a kindle so one I was unaware of how big it was but also I was so engrossed in the book that if I could have physically seen the pages getting smaller I'd have been quite sad I, I sometimes get character loss book loss I'm like mm-hmm. oh I finished oh I'm sad I'm gonna miss that now I I read the last of the Mick Heron or what I suspect might be the last of the Mick Heron Slayer House novels this summer and they I found them at the beginning of the pandemic and they're like one of my favorite fiction reads in years and years oh I'm gonna have to look that up they, they, it's basically about like crap spot sort of like yeah people who can't be fired by MI5 but are sort of like so they're sort of put off to this kind of like really bad posting where they do boring work working for a horrible man and and they're, they're fabulous in a sort of proper sort of like dingy British espionage kind of way and hilariously written and, and I just tore through those over the course of about 12 months and I finished Slough House which is the most recent one and I suspect might be the last one but and and I just felt bereft Yes, I was about to say, is that the word? I have the word bereft in my head. Yeah, it's quite, so it made me, yeah, I, I, I identify with that. Also, I think the, the book that I was very glad that I read on my, on my Kindle was Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace, because it's massive, really, really big. If I tried to take that on my commute, it would have like taken up half of my work oh. bag. And, and also I find really big books because I do a lot of reading in bed like suddenly you've got to, you almost feel like you need to have something to prop it up on. Absolutely. Yeah. Because so it's right. so, so big. Yeah. Something um, like a big heavy, you, you could do yourself some proper damage with like a big heavy heart. So. The books yeah. spring to mind when you say that about the size. Um, Edward Rutherford, he, I don't know if you've read any of his, he writes no. really good books about places that are then okay. over a time span of hundreds of years and you follow say five or six families. So there's one on London, one on Dublin, one on Salisbury, the New Forest, Moscow. They're brilliant. They're amazing books, actually. And <laughs> heavy, yeah. Excellent. They're great. So what is the tool that you can't do without? What's well, the thing? Yeah, what's, what's the thing? I was thinking about this. So in a previous life, I would have said my phone. And I think that's mm-hmm. a, a classic one. But as of January, so six months ago, I broke my phone, didn't really miss it. And then finally got a new phone and didn't bother putting emails on LinkedIn, Facebook. So I, I'm not missing my phone if I don't have it. So, so your phone like actually- She's holding her phone up. Yes, it is. It's just a classic. I mean, it's, a, it's an Android and you can add everything to it if I wanted to. But you but use I, it as a phone? Just yes, like as a phone? Yes, I use it to make phone calls and everything. But it's- and, 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 the this this podcast has been recorded on the first day that I've finally gone back into do a face-to-face workshop so I've done a first journey into London for nine months but I'm like 
I'm not missing the fact I don't have my emails on here. That's quite nice, actually, quite liberating. So the thing that I probably could not do without something that I probably use every day if I could are my trainers. Okay. Because I really enjoy running and walking. And I think as a, a tool for life, being able to get outside into nature and have fresh air and to breathe is super important. So mm-hmm. it would be my... I've got two pairs of trainers. My road trainers are Hocker and my Salomon for trails. So I wouldn't be without them. How does the running, walking, going outside, how does that fit into your routine? How do you how do yep. you hack that into your life? So first thing in the morning, I, it's gym or run. So sort of be out by seven o'clock. And then weekends, I'll do a longer run. So I'll do like up to like 19K, which I stupidly did this weekend and that hurt. Mm-hmm. it's good but it's when yeah. i do it with on a weekend i go with my best mate for a run so that's our time to catch up mm-hmm. chew the fat let's be clear we walk a lot we talk a lot <laughs> walk up the hills we're eating whatever we're eating like the gel bars and everything but it's just a really good time like good two two and a half hours outside mm-hmm. so it feels good it's and i guess there's there's that sense in, in that as well is it's you're properly away from your work you know Correct. you're your mind's away from your work, your yeah. body's, you're, you're physically moving about. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and what I really noticed as well is if I need to write something, whether mm-hmm. it's a client proposal, a workshop framework, write a newsletter, compose an email, I find if I go running or cycling, I often get it all composed in my head something that I'm doing on my own. Whereas if I go for a walk or if I go to the gym, there's just too many slight other distractions. So mm-hmm. running and cycling also give me that space to contemplate and just noodle things over. Yeah, I'm, I'm very similar in that I find I put things together whilst moving about. Yeah. If I, if I sit down to write something, uh, it, it'll, it'll be it'll either be terrible or I won't do it whereas if I just sort of do it while I'm walking about and just kind yeah. of yeah it helps so it's like the running or the cycling all my ideas just flood around and mm-hmm. then I often get back to the house and then I'll be like if possible I will capture it and just mm-hmm. type straight into a word doc to start with and then I do a bit of editing and refining nice and do you this is just out of interest do you do you write it verbatim? Do you write it how you're going to say it? Or is it notes and then you kind of riff on no, it as you put it, it together? Uh, you're a receiver of my newsletters. I write mm-hmm. it exactly how it's going to go. Right. No notes. It just goes straight down on paper. So the way I write is all thoughts come out my head as I'm as I'm thinking about them and feeling them. And there's some, some but then I often then put that to one side for 24 hours and then I'll go back to it again a day later and see like... Does that actually make sense? Do, where do I need to to move it around and juggle? And sometimes mm-hmm. I can get it done in two edits. Sometimes it's three. Okay, so it's, it's but that, and that's generally sort of like knocking the edges off. But fundamentally, you've got it. You've got it from your run when you've yeah come back. Yeah. Okay. I wish I could. Not, just... It's the truth. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I will make sure the spelling's correct and the grammar's correct, but I I won't get too hung up on. Is that what I really want to? No, I do get hung up. Is it what I really want to say? But if it's not flowing for me, then I'm like, well, it's not meant to be. So I delete things out. Okay. And 
actually that's interesting is from basically so that i've just published my newsletter earlier on today and one of the articles that i linked to is one that talks about how as people generally we're we tend to add things when we're problem solving rather than take things away and and there was some research that was done with like lego problems where they're asking people to solve problems and generally people be adding pieces rather than removing pieces in order to solve the problems and and i think that's actually the that's where actually having a good editor or at least having a giving yourself the space to come to it with an editing point of view because yeah. otherwise it's very easy to just add words and bulk it out to try and solve yeah. a problem that excising a few sentences would probably i agree mm. and i sometimes edit other people's newsletters or work and i just want to strip things strip strip, strip. extra words and there's, there's there's a i think there's a percentage of the population the extrovert feelers who add we add lots of adjectives in and mm. we add lots of phrases and i'm and make the language sound really flowery and i'm a bit like oh no it's too much delete 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 and actually i think depending on what it is you're writing so we're talking about newsletters here there's an optimal length of about 500 words and mm-hmm. anything else becomes a bit more and peaceish and it's just too much for people to to digest and we've got to remember as well if anyone's listening who writes newsletters predominantly people are reading them on their telephones mm-hmm. they're not reading them on the device that you're writing it so you've got True. to then do i think you need to do the phone test says she who doesn't have them on her phone anymore but you've <laughs> say how like i'm scrolling how much scrolling is going on here mm-hmm. yeah that's really true i don't I'm, I did, did i do that i didn't do that this time you've reminded me of a quote i've no idea who it's by so i'm going to say winston churchill yeah. because you're like you're constantly misattributing things to winston churchill on linkedin aren't you uh, oh mark twain yeah the the quote was um, i'm sorry this is so long i didn't have time to make it shorter. To make it shorter yeah and actually i've just found out that that is one of the most misattributed quotes so it's not winston Mark Twain mentions something vaguely similar, but it's actually a French philosopher okay. from the 16th or 17th century when they translated his work. That's where ah. the first started. Ah, okay. I'll find the link for you and send it. Lovely. That would be fantastic. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. So what was your most recent acquisition or or purchase that that has, has made things you find useful or has made things you kind of got, oh, I'm really glad I did that? Well, the first one that comes into my head because it's very live is I bought a house. So that's that's this last few days literally Mm -hmm. has happened and moved. But something that for others, God, nothing really springs. That sounds so bad, doesn't it? I don't buy loads of things anymore. (laughs) I think like talking about deleting things or Mm -hmm. throwing things away. I've got I've been going through quite a. uh, decluttering not in a Marie Kondo style and sitting there holding it going does this bring me joy but we think <laughs> house and I think being in lockdown has really made me think what well, do I need do I need this and I think so from a, a lockdown perspective because I haven't been going out it's like I haven't need to buy things mm-hmm. I haven't bought clothes and that doesn't bother me I've realized and actually no one gives two hoots. The only person who cares is ourselves, isn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. What, what we're wearing. And I'm not a gadgety person. So that's never been my thing either. So like people get all hung up on the latest gadgets and do you have this and do you have that? And I'm like, no. Tim, I don't have an answer for you. I'm sorry. I'm more about throwing things away. I've discovered eBay. Oh, for a, a point- local tip. 
for a point of view of uh, like yeah getting rid of all your old, your old stuff what, did you have anything that you got rid of on ebay that was you were, you were surprised at the interest or how much you got for it did you have oh i've got rid of shoes i've always surprised that people would want my old shoes there's some things that i've got and i'm like come on someone buy it like i've got an old dvd player and a vhf it's like come on someone buy these items please so i can uh just get rid of them otherwise they're just going to go to the tip i think yeah. they're, they're heading for the tip this weekend and and what so i've given that the last the last purchase that you made that you're excited about is the new house what were you particularly excited about about the move what's the i've got a garden now okay so i've haven't had a garden for the last probably 12 years and that's been fine i'm not a big gardener but now i'm a bit like oh i wonder if i can grow some, <laughs> what what is it that i could try and grow so that's exciting having a go at growing things and i wonder if it's an age thing <laughs> have i come to that okay. point in my life where as a late 40s it's like yeah i'm gonna have a go at growing things my someone bought my wife a book for Christmas, I think, or her birthday, which is called The Art of Pottering. And it very specifically talks about pottering as being the the act of doing of being productive in a very kind of unplanned, un I guess, you know, unstructured kind of way. So you're yeah. just like wandering around finding small jobs to do. And I think Yes. With the, with the house, and my, I mean, my mother-in-law says a lot. Of, there's always something to do with the house, and you know, between between having between a house and a garden, I think there's there's plenty of pottering opportunity, and there is something very, you know, you could lose half an hour just doing small productive things that you hadn't really necessarily planned doing. Yes. And I think it's quite, I think it's quite healing. I've I'm starting to notice that after five days in, so yeah, I think it's. For me, though, I end up having to planning it all in because I've got to fit it in between a run and a ride. And I'm like, oh, I didn't have to do that when I rented, like potter and worry <laughs> about the garden or worry about a light fitting not working. But it, it is what it is. Yeah. And if you decide that you need to put WD-40 on anything, make sure you've got like a whole afternoon booked out. Because, you know, Why? once you well, because once you've WD-40, like uh, a hinge, a squeaky hinge, You'll then wander around for the rest of the afternoon looking for things to WD. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's what I'll happens. Take that. I thought you were going to tell me be careful that you when you squirt it, it doesn't then dribble everywhere and you end up having to clean it off carpets. And oh, you that too, yeah. But but mainly just because you'll be wandering around looking for things that need need a bit of a squeeze okay. of WD forty. Interesting. It's yeah. Okay. okay cool. Sound advice. So, um, Kirsty, I'd like you to finish sentence yep. for me. Do yourself a favor and sort your shit out. Because this is a phrase I use when talking to facilitators and trainers is I think we or I was just talking to a client about it, like doing your inner work, because mm-hmm. if, you, if you don't and you just live your life oblivious to what is going on inside of your head and your body, mentally, emotionally, physically and spiritually, it's really easy to let all those external influences run you. And maybe some internal influences that you're unaware of. So it's all unconscious behaviors. So by sorting your shit out and having conscious, intentional conversations with yourself, or maybe you're having um, coaching or you're going through a learning experience that has got an element of psychology. I personally believe it makes all of us healthier, uh, more rounded, more self-aware and a better person. When did you sort? Well, I think it's probably when I started with with the Kobe stuff in '99, okay. and it's been a, an ever-ending mm-hmm. conversation since. Because what I've learned is in the 
classic coaching phrase, you know, you, you peel back um, a layer of the onion mm-hmm. and you think, oh, I've just done some really deep work and then something else pops up. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and I think to begin with, what happens is you do some inner work and it's quite deep and it's quite profound for some people. And you can just see real people just like, going, oh my God, this is all happening for me. And it can be scary and it can be exciting and it can be overwhelming. And then I think you go through a bit of that transformation and then you sit with it for a couple of years and then something else might happen that um, invites you to go back and have a look at yourself Mm -hmm. or a big life event occurs, death, marriage, birth, I think. So I think I'd invite everybody if you've never looked, if you've never thought to look at yourself to do that. And then Mm -hmm. if you're on that journey, just know it's now a journey. The, the only way out is probably when you pass away. And mm-hmm. once you start peeling back the onions, it's, it's ever ending. It's, it's a bit like one of the things that I say when I'm doing productivity training, which is like the aim is not to get everything ticked off. Yes. Like you never get everything ticked off. The aim is to feel good about what you're ticking off and to be, feel like you're doing the right things as you go through it. Yeah. But, and someone said to me once, you know, we are, we're holographs. So a holograph, so a holograph of Tim is made up of lots of photographs of Tim to make a bigger Tim. Okay. So if you decide to make a change in one part of your life, so let's just say fitness, mm-hmm. you decide to do something that increases your fitness levels. But the byproduct of that is suddenly your mental wellness improves and is escalates you know to even more so therefore that could mean that your productivity changes Mm -hmm. so what we see is in the holograph of tim whilst he's made a change in one small part of his life actually the overall image changes as well okay so that's what for me that's one of those benefits of taking a look at yourself and sorting your shit out excellent thank you kirsty so where can people find you Three places I get happiness from on Instagram under School of Facilitation, on LinkedIn under my name, Kirsty Lewis, and then on our website, www.schooloffacilitation.com. Thank you very much, Kirsty. Thanks for coming on. Do yourself a favor. And, and thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you again soon.